right, welcome everybody. Appreciate Bob for lifting this uh, music stand up a little bit higher than it was. Um, I need it. Uh, before we jump in, though, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. It's, uh, it's good. I've known several of you for, for several years, some from uh, the church we used to be at in Chicago. Um, kind of bummed that Vic Lydes not here because um, it's one of those things where people change, but I don't know what Vic is doing because he literally looks the same as he did 20 years ago. It's, I don't know if it's some cream or something, but it's great. Buy it. Um, on that note, I'm going to completely shift gears and let's pray and then we'll dig into our text. So pray with me if you would. God, thank you this morning that you meet us here in this story of Zacchaeus. Uh, we ask that as we enter into it, uh, that you would meet us there. Um, God, we come from all different kinds of uh, situations in life, whether uh, we're dealing with uh, joyful times or depressing times. God, maybe we're uh, filled with anxiety or maybe we're filled with peace. Maybe we're filled with uh, faith. Maybe we're filled with doubt. Uh, so God, wherever that happens to be uh, for all of us here this morning, we ask that you would meet us through the person in the work of your son Jesus, through the power of your spirit. Uh, we ask that you would speak to us through uh, this, the, the preaching of this word. And that's our prayer this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I recently uh, saw a, a trailer uh, for a movie. I love to go to the movies. I love all different kinds of movies. I love big, dumb movies like Fast 12, Furious 12, or whatever. Uh, I love great, um, thoughtful films, whatever it happens to be. So I happen to be at a movie, and I see this trailer come on, and we see what looks like an impoverished young girl and young boy walking through a wood, searching for food, picking up anything they can pick up, ends up they're picking up breadcrumbs and they stumble into the house of an old woman. And what we start to see are some of the old familiar tropes because of course what we're doing is we're watching a trailer for a new cash grab of the story of Hansel and Gretel. But, as we're watching this story, things start to turn dark. Things turn dark, and you know, there's this, this cacophony of stringed instruments. There's this close-up of the disturbing old woman. Um, there's darkness. There's like lightning flashes. All this kind of stuff going on. And then the title card for the film comes up, and the title card is Gretel and Hansel. And then a little subtitle under it that says, it's billed as a... Familiar, a new twist on a familiar story. So the passage that Bob read to us this morning, the passages in our lectionary this morning, might be one of those familiar stories for you. It might be a familiar story for us. It might be something that you've heard when you were young as you went off to Sunday school when you were younger. It might be something you've heard hundreds or thousands of times. But maybe you're here this morning and you're just exploring Christianity for the first time. Um, and maybe this isn't a familiar story. Um, and if that's the case, you're actually to be envied. Uh, you're to be envied because you can hear it with fresh ears, with new ears for the first time. 
but if you are familiar with the story, uh, what I want to do is I want to challenge you to, to maybe hear this story anew, uh, because it's actually a really remarkable encounter with a life-changing encounter with the grace that Jesus offers to people like you and people like me. And as such, it's, it's truly filled with hope. It's a great hopeful story. Hope for us, hope for the world, hope for us, whether you're curious about Christianity or, or whether you consider yourself a Christian. So what we're going to do this morning, though, is we're actually going to ask this question. The, the question that I want to ask is, is this, how can we have a, a life-changing encounter with Jesus? Well, let's look at Zacchaeus, and that's going to be our guide this morning for this. The first thing that we see is that, that a life-changing encounter with Jesus, it often starts really simply. It really starts simply oftentimes with something as simple as intellectual openness. Intellectual openness. What did, what did Zacchaeus do to even get started in his encounter with Jesus? We're told in the story that he wanted to see who Jesus was, and that's all it says. And it's significant. It's significant because Zacchaeus is actually in a better place than the crowds or the religious leaders that are around. He's, better, he's, a better, he's in a better place than the crowds because he's not desperate. He's not looking for a spectacle for Jesus to perform some magic trick or some needy thing for him. He's just simply curious. Uh, he's intellectually open. And as such, he's in a better place also than the religious leaders because they were closed off intellectually. Basically, their idea was whoever this Jesus guy is, he might be something. He might be a charlatan. He might be a, a great teacher, whatever, but he's definitely not the Messiah. So they were closed off intellectually, but not Zacchaeus. Great, Zacchaeus is actually a great example for us because the encouragement here is don't wait until your life is falling apart. Just enter into curiosity. Enter into a relationship with him out of sheer intellectual openness. And it's possible to get started just that way. We'll also see this, that, that a life-changing encounter with Jesus means that, that often, oftentimes we have to push through the thoughts and the opinions of the crowd. That's what we see here. This is really practical advice, actually. Uh, if you're ever really going to meet Jesus, if you're ever going to enter into a relationship with him, you, you oftentimes have to push through the opinions of the crowd. You have to push through what other people might say or think. Because what did Zacchaeus want? Well, in verse 3 of our text, we see this. We say he wanted to see who Jesus was, but there's a barrier to that. And what's the barrier? The barrier that's going to keep him from seeing Jesus is this. It says, because of the crowd. The crowd is the reason that Zacchaeus can't see Jesus. And you might have noticed that I'm taller I don't know if I'm Caleb tall, but I'm, I'm pretty much taller. Um, again, you might not have noticed that, but when I'm at, whenever I'm at a concert uh, or a show to see a band, uh, particularly one of those places where you have to stand up and see the band, like in a smaller place, maybe like Talia Hall or Shuba's or something like that, and a, and a shorter person is standing behind me, nine times out of ten, Nine times out of ten, unless they're particularly rude or a total jerk or they're pushing or something like that, I'm going to let that person stand in front of me because 
well, I guess I am a jerk sometimes, but like in this case, I'm generally not a jerk because this person just wants to see the show and I'm blocking the road. Because I'm six foot four and a five foot four person standing in front of me isn't going to block my view. It doesn't bother my view of what's up on the stage. But the crowd in this story wouldn't let Zacchaeus see. And that's an issue. It's an issue. And it's not just that he's a short wee little man as the story and the song used to go. Well, why not? Why wouldn't they let him through? Why wouldn't they let Zacchaeus through to see Jesus? It's because they hated him. They despised him. He's up in that tree, actually, not just because he's short, but because he's despised and because he's rejected for a couple of reasons. There are a lot of theologians who who study the intersection of theology and disability who actually believe that, that Zacchaeus suffered from dwarfism. And as such, in an ancient Near Eastern culture, he was other. He was despised. He was rejected. There was something wrong with him. It was something that he did or his parents did, so the crowds thought. So he was other, he was despised, he was rejected. Something that sent him to the margins. He's up in that tree because of his disability, but also because he's a tax collector. And this is more than maybe how you and I view people who work for the IRS, although if you work for the IRS, you probably generally don't waltz into a party and announce to everybody, hey, guess what I do for a living? I work for the IRS. Drinks are on me. Uh, you probably don't do something like that. But as much as we, we look at somebody like that or like, yeah, I work for the IRS. If you do work, work for the IRS, I'm sorry. Uh, we can hug afterwards. Um, um, but this is different. See, it's different because in Zacchaeus's case, tax collectors were actually collaborators with the Roman occupational forces. Tax collectors were, were, were collaborators. Rome conquered Judea, and uh, the way that they subjugated their people, the way they subjugated their colonies in order to keep them weak and dependent, they would levy these deliberately huge and crippling taxes on their subjects, and they would take away most of the income of their people. This is how Rome kept their colonies continually economically dependent, subjugated, and essentially poor. And therefore, a Jewish tax collector like like Zacchaeus, he was in the same position, for example, as as like the the French who cooperated with the Nazis during World War II when when the Nazis conquered France. Uh, They were viewed as traitors. They were viewed as other. And see, that's what's happening here. What's happening here is that we see Zacchaeus had been selling his soul. Any Hebrew who would become a tax collector basically said, I want to be rich over and against my love for my people, over and against my community, relationships. I don't care about any of that. I just want wealth. And as a result, Zacchaeus is hated He's hated, and that's the reason that the crowd wouldn't let him through. That's the reason that they look at him as an absolute, utter, despicable sinner. And that's what's keeping him away. But first of all, Zacchaeus, he doesn't let this self-righteous crowd block him from getting to see Jesus. He doesn't let this self-righteous crowd 
keep him from seeing Jesus. There are all these people that are crowding Jesus, like, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus, can I have your autograph? Jesus, can can you look my way? Give me something. Heal me, anything. Uh, They're all his fans. They're they're gathering around. They're these fans of Jesus, and they want to see him. They love Jesus, but they're filled with self-righteousness. They look at the other. They look at people who are not as put together as they are, and they say, you're a sinner, I'm righteous. You're a sinner, you're despicable, you're an awful person. I am right. And that's why Jesus can have this, enter, this relationship with me. But Zacchaeus didn't do this. Zacchaeus didn't look at that and see this as a barrier. He didn't say, well, if this is what Jesus' people are like, I want nothing to do with them. He didn't. He actually pushed through. He continued to pursue Jesus, and he ended up meeting Jesus. So don't let the crowds keep you away. Don't let the opinions of the crowds keep you away. If you want a life-changing encounter with Jesus, push through the opinions of the masses. Because when you do that, what you'll find is that this life-changing encounter happens when you discover the difference between grace and religion. In verse 5, it says, or Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. Bob referenced this um, in the, right before the meditation, before we came to the table. He said, I'm coming to your house today. And then in verse 9, he says, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to your house today. Do you know what he's saying? And this is really significant because this right here is the difference between grace and religion. See, other religions will say something like, there's a way to God. There's a way to salvation. If you do this, you'll have life. If you, have, if you do this, you'll live. But Jesus says, I am salvation. He says, you're not saved by anything that you do. You don't have a relationship with me based on anything that you do. You're actually saved by what I do. You're actually saved what I'm going to do. He doesn't say there's a way to salvation. He says, I am salvation. He doesn't say there's a way to God. He says, I am God. And as such, I've come into this world to absorb your debt on the cross, to take it on myself so that we can be together forever, so that we can have relationship, deep, abiding relationship. It's totally different. And here's how you can tell the difference between Jesus, Christianity, the gospel, and religion in general, it's, it's really the order of things. It's the order of things that we say, see here. See, here's, here's what I mean. Uh, what I mean by that is that when Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today, it doesn't shock us, but it should. It should shock us. You and I don't get goosebumps. Maybe you did, and you're, you've got a better understanding of the text. Um, But generally, we don't get goosebumps when we read this because hospitality doesn't mean the same thing to us the way it did for Zacchaeus in that culture. See, in ancient times and ancient cultures, in fact, in many other cultures around the world today, typically non-Western cultures, to go to somebody's house to eat, to sit at table with them, to dine with them, was more than just being given sustenance, more than just being given food, more than just having conversation. What it was was to invite somebody into your home, to dine at a table with somebody was actually a sign of deep affirmation. It was a sign of acceptance. 
And it was, it was really much more than that. It was actually a commitment to a long, loving relationship. And that's, the, that's the reason why the crowd is so shocked. That's the reason why they're flipped out. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I want a deep, loving, long-term, affirming relationship. I want this commitment to you. And that's the reason why the crowd is shocked. Jesus would do this with a man who hadn't repented yet. A man who was a collaborator, a man who was marginalized, a man who was other, and they were shocked. And Jesus says, I'm coming. I'm coming into your life, and I'm going to love you first. And as a, re- as a response, Zacchaeus changes his life. Do you catch the order to this, what's going on here? This isn't anything like Zacchaeus had ever seen before. Religion was you invite the holy man, invite the, the, the snake oil salesman, you invite uh, the shaman into your house, and they would say, okay, thanks for the invitation, but are you going to stop being a tax collector first? Are you going to stop living the way you're living? Zacchaeus, I need you to commit to change, and then I will come to you. But that's not what happens here. That's what everybody had always done, but what, what Jesus is doing in this story to Zacchaeus and to us today is that he's saying, I'm coming to you. I'm the one that's going to make the effort. I'm coming to you. And Zacchaeus changes. He doesn't need his possessions anymore. He's completely changed. Do you realize that? See, the, gra- the grace of Jesus in Zacchaeus' life completely breaks his love of his possessions so that his possessions can actually be a vehicle for love in the world. And he'd never seen anything like it. We mentioned that, that, that Jesus was showing Zacchaeus grace. When he realized this, the kind of grace that the crowd knew nothing about, the, the kind of grace that he had never experienced in his life, he was hit and overcome with joy. He was overtaken with joy, and it, and it completely changed his life. So I want to wrap up with this. Uh, we also see, finally, this, that a life-changing encounter with God always, rely, always results in a changed life, and it always results in a changed attitude and practice toward our possessions. In verse 8, Zacchaeus says, Look, Lord, look. Uh, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. It's amazing. It's amazing because it's important when we break it down. Because first of all, he goes above and beyond the law. The law was you give 10% of your possessions away. And Zacchaeus says, I'm going to go way beyond that. I'm going to give away half of my possessions. And the second thing he says is that anyone I've cheated, anyone I've exploited, defrauded, blackmailed, I'll pay back four times the amount. That was actually, uh, in, the, in the biblical prescriptions in the Old Testament, that was actually the largest penalty for any crime, which was cattle rustling, uh, which cattle rustling is in the, in the Bible, believe it or not. Um, but the, the, the largest crime, um, other than capital crimes, as far as stealing, was cattle rustling. You paid back four times the amount. And Zacchaeus is saying, that's the biggest penalty that I'm going to do. I'm going to pay back four times. The action's incredible, but really it's, it's, it's his attitude that's completely incredible. He does it, does it joyfully, does it voluntarily. As Zacchaeus' grasp of the gospel is more than just intellectual, it's actually existential. 
Because if you start to grasp what Jesus has done, you don't, you don't ask the questions. We don't ask the questions, what do I have to give, but what can I give? You might ask, what has Jesus done for me? What, what exactly has Jesus done? Well, here's what, here's what Jesus has done. Look at, look at the story. Uh, why is Zacchaeus in that tree? He's in that tree because, as we established, he's despised, he's rejected. He's in that tree, tree because he's despicable to the crowds. But Jesus says, Zacchaeus, out of sheer grace, I want to come down. I want you to come down into a feast of love. Come down out of, out of your isolation. Come down out of being despised. Come down out of being rejected. Come out of that tree and into my love. How does Jesus do that? And why can he do that? Why can he just um, forgive him and enter into this relationship? Because in his death on the cross, Jesus will actually go up into a tree. It says in the, in the scriptures, cursed is the one who's hung on a tree. And what that means is that the worst kind of execution for a criminal was to be hung on a tree, to be nailed on a cross, and Jesus did it. Jesus what went up onto a tree. He went up, he was hung on a tree, he was nailed to a tree, he was despised and rejected. And here's Zacchaeus who is despised and rejected. And here is Jesus who has all the love in the universe and they switch. Jesus says, you come down and I'll go up. Zacchaeus comes down comes down out of the tree because Jesus would go up. Zacchaeus comes out of being despised and rejected because Jesus becomes despised and rejected. And when we start to see that, it changes our attitude toward everything, toward our possessions, because Jesus didn't just give part of his life. He gave it all. He had all of the heavenly riches, and he made himself poor so that by his poverty we might become rich. And when we do this, what we see is that in these small and exciting ways, we start to use our possessions in much the same way. We say, I want to push my possessions. I want to push my wealth out to others. I want to push my wealth out into the lives of the poor. I want my money to bring life to the world. And I want to sacrifice that wealth the way that Jesus brought life to me through his sacrifice. See, the cross is actually a tree of life for us because it was a tree of death for Jesus. We can come down out of the tree because Jesus went up on the tree. And when when we start to see that, it changes everything in our lives. It changes our attitude toward everything, including our finances, toward our money, toward our wealth, toward our possessions, and it results in a a life-changing encounter and experience with Jesus. The question that we have to ask is, do you experience that? Do we experience that kind of joy? Will you come down and welcome Jesus into your life with joy? I want to encourage you to do that. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.